Welcome to Exploring Creativity. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and provide a community for creative people all over the world. On this podcast, we explore a variety of topics with a multifaceted group of creative people. We explore these topics in hopes of broadening your perspective and giving you the tools you need to do your very best work. To close out the first season of Exploring Creativity, my longtime collaborator, Christian Wheeler, is going to be interviewing me. If you don't know, I'm a designer, teacher, writer, and musician. Together, Christian and I explored lessons from my many years of collaboration, my relationship to process over time, learning to love your work, and so much more. We also discussed the many takeaways from the past 27 episodes. It was a great conversation with a great friend, and I'm super excited for you to hear it. Hello. Hello. Great. So I had considered preparing and I decided not to instead, because that's going to be more interesting. But I did want to start with a question. Since the beginning of this project, you've been talking about how you are a person who is very thoughtful about process. And you're saying everybody has a process, whether or not I was wondering when you started becoming aware of having a creative process and when you started kind of analyzing that in yourself on your journey. Great question. You're off to a good start, man. When did I realize my creative process and when did I start kind of leveraging the knowledge of having one to help that process? It's kind of what I took away there. So when I started designing, I wasn't sure how I was arriving at results that I was arriving at. So like a band would ask me to design a logo or do something and I would do that. And it was a lot of just questions. It felt like it just confusion is what it felt like. I'd like hop into Photoshop and like move my hands around a lot. And eventually like a logo would emerge. It was kind of how I would describe what I did when I was very young. And I didn't like that because I was in high school, I was, I was taking other courses and other courses had answers to things like science or math or even history had some responses to questions, but it felt like with design, there was just so many questions for me. And like the work would end up being pretty good, but I wasn't really sure how I arrived at that often for like the first few years, I would say. And I didn't like that. I wanted to be able to say, okay, this is how I got from point A to B. And that was like what it was. And I could repeat that. And if someone asked me to make a logo, I wouldn't be like, oh no, like what's going to happen? Am I going to have that moment this time where like I come up with something? So I remember that like kind of nagging at me and feeling like, I need to figure out how to get from point A to point B and not in those terms. I don't even know what the questions I was asking at the time were, but I know that was definitely an issue. And I ended up not pursuing design after high school for a while. When I got into college for it though, I very clearly remember talking to two professors separately and saying, Hey, I know how to do a lot of the technical parts of it, but I don't know how I even figure out how to do it. Like, I don't know how I like make these things and can, I really want help with that. Can you help me with that part? Well, I guess I, I'd always, I just assumed that like there was a way to do this thing or there were even ways to do this thing, but I didn't know what it was. And I figured someone knew and I would figure that out. And so in college, I was really fixated on the idea of like, there's a way to design. So like, let me figure out that way. And then like, I'm set. And so I remember very clearly towards my senior year or junior year, my professor who got me my first job, Jack Harris, great dude. He was like, I 
did a layout and he's like, oh, why'd you do this layout? And I was like, like I had to do this because this page had like X, Y, Z on it and this grid system and this whatever. So like, you know, I needed it to fit like whatever I'd set up there. And he's like, you know, there's no rules. Like you could do whatever you want. And I was like, oh shit. Like I just figured out how to do this. You're blowing it up again. But I understand now what he meant was that it's like, once you know the rules then you can break them sort of thing. So it was like, there's a lot of just like core kind of table stakes type of process or points of the process. And then there's like how you go about doing that or what inspiration you add into that or how you're thinking while doing that is really up to you. So making a magazine is nothing more now to me than like a bunch of pages. Like is there a set number of pages? No. Okay. Awesome. I have freedom to do whatever I want. Then it was like, what needs to be on every page and what needs to be here? And like, why does it need to be there? And what were kind of best practices in a way? So I would say that I learned how to start leveraging it in college, but later on when I started managing a team was when I realized how essential it was to like have more predictability around certain things when the stakes were higher, when the financial pressure was higher, how could I make up a, an environment or set create an environment where the activities being done were flexible enough, but predictable enough. And like the right balance of like all of the goodness of creativity and exploration and research, but also like convergent enough. And yeah, I mean, I got into, I remember this huge diagram I made, it took up like a big wall of what our current process was in the organization and where I felt like the issues were and talks very, for a while, many meetings about how do we kind of strengthen each one? Do we need to hire people for it? Do we need to remove parts of the process and whatever? And after going through that exercise with like the head of product at the company, we just started becoming way more efficient, but the creativity was still there. And I was like, okay, that's awesome. Like there's a way to combine. Yeah. So there's that. And then I can go on about process all day, but this is a great question to start with. Uh, and then I remember going to LA early into my managerial work and talking with John Castelli about his process at the company that he runs and, um, talking about different ways of managing projects, asking him questions around like how he's labeling things and if he's labeling certain things and how do they know certain settings and how do they maintain bits of information that are really important throughout the process, things like that. And actually helping him a bunch, getting him into uh, set up with Trello and sort of building a workflow out from there that he took and ran with. But seeing that like, okay, big company, maybe they're just like corporate, so they need process. Like solo designer, like, yeah, they need some answers to questions. Maybe they need process. And then like seeing John where it's like basically a solo creator with like now assistance and whatnot, seeing how they could leverage process to like help expedite what they're doing, but also like still produce award-winning work was like, okay, this is like a really useful tool to start to zoom in on, not to enforce with like a, I don't know, I don't know what the metaphor is, but enforce like with a hammer, but like it should actually not be something that needs to be enforced as much as like understood and then people get it. It makes sense. It feels natural, but it also produces the results everyone wants. So yeah, that was kind of where I figured it out. And then sort of how it's helped in my, my life. I mean, I can pull up any design file I've ever made since I started designing within seconds. Like you could ask me right now and I'll do it, but like, I don't want to turn my computer on, but I could. 
that's also processed. File naming, keeping it consistent, routinely revising stuff and like looking over, oh, can I like clean this up another year and like clean up all the old folders? Like those things help in the long run. So this is a thing that I found where it's one of these exponential curves where like it's a lot of work up front and it's kind of difficult and technical, like deeply technical, but a different kind of technical. It's not like designing. It's like another thing that you have to like put together and it takes a lot of like sweat and brain churning and alignment and like iteration. It's a project. It's a product really. And so getting to there is like, oh, it's such a pain in the ass. And then when you do it like a year later, you're like not thinking about a lot of things that you used to. And that's where you're like, oh, that was really useful. But a lot of times it takes a while for people to realize that. So they don't do it because it's like, you don't, it's not always a direct like correlation. So yeah, that's my rip on process for it. Yeah. I love that. Especially the parts about kind of organizational, like automation and stuff. But I, I wanted to narrow in on something you said a little bit earlier about thinking that learning a process maybe in your student days was about getting closer to like the correct process yeah and maybe at what point you went from because i've talked about this a lot lately is there one correct way to do things i mean obviously no but at what point in your journey did you allow maybe that mindset to kind of diverge a little bit yeah or are you still there Dude, there is one way to do everything. Now, I think being wrong a bunch with that idea helped. I think seeing other designers, like being like, this is how graphic design is. And then seeing like Stefan Sagmeister, like literally slice his body and use it as like a poster. And I'm like, oh shit, like I don't have to type this out. Like, <laughs> That's not the only way that you can do this. So I think being wrong a bunch where it was like, okay, like I know for sure that like you only... Like, this is the way to do it. And then seeing someone else do it a different way repeatedly in the smallest of things, like, oh, this is like the best way to write songs. And then hearing someone that you admire write a song, you're like, damn, like I never even thought about that. Or uh, Rory just joined. So I was thinking about what he was saying. Like he had this book about like uh, mixing and it was like every chapter is a different engineer and they were all saying different ways of doing it. So I think like experiencing that in real life with everything, um, whether it was like how to decorate my apartments or like how to design or like anything that I thought was the way to do it. Seeing as soon as I saw a different way that I also thought was better in some way, whether it was like, wow, they did that faster or they seem like more calm doing this or it looks nicer, like it looks closer to what I wanted or whatever, or it's just so different. It really just like, I guess some people could see that and be like, no, I'm still right. But I'm someone that's like, it's interesting because part of me trying to find the truth of like, is there one answer made me realize, oh, that's different. That's different. That's different to be like, is there a pattern here? And then realizing there isn't a pattern here. It's just everyone doing their own thing in their own ways and finding my way of doing something. If I feel good and comfortable and I'm happy about it, that's like really all that matters. Now, if it's like the most award winning this or that, like that's not a big constraint for me, but like, I think, yeah, I don't know, seeing that I was wrong and realizing that I could actually integrate some of those things that I didn't have before realize, oh, I could always grow. So there isn't a right answer. So how do all those 
like little failures, dead ends, processes that didn't work out the way you wanted to. Do you think your journey, do you feel like that was a big, like its own form of grad school, like all those mistakes? Or do you feel like they were just obstacles that were somewhat like nuisances on your like journey to kind of get where you are in terms of like creativity? Yeah. I mean, I think they were, it was definitely grad school and grad school could be induced. I think that like I emotionally, it kind of hurt every time where it was like, oh shit, I wasn't right there. And like, I've been saying that for three years or whatever. So it was upsetting to kind of watch an idea die and experience and really let go of that idea or those ideas. But also it's also like, oh damn, like I said all this stuff and I was wrong that, or not wrong. Maybe I was wrong for certain things and just like, oh, I was more matter of fact about this and it wasn't actually the case. There's more, there's just more ambiguity to this or subjectivity to this. So yeah, I think it, it guided me now where I like actively are like, oh, cool. That's different. Like, can I implement this like right away? <laughs> Maybe it's the other end of the pendulum, but it's like, that's different. Oh, that's a different way of thinking about it. As you get older, it's like a lot of people latch on to ideas from the past. And so it's harder to kind of change stuff. But I, I mean, I even felt this last night and we'll get into it next week about this project, but I sat with Lean yesterday and like, we're collaborating. I'm helping him with his brand for Moon Studios and he's helping me with my, initially it was to help me record this record. But as we were talking, it's like maybe having a producer for the Exploring Creativity Project would actually help me lead it better. And through talking with him, like, the questions he's asking, the ideas he's throwing out, I'm like, oh yeah, like I wasn't thinking any of that. And I could have said like the way I was thinking is right or wrong. I don't even know if that's even true. I don't think either of us are right or wrong. It's, it comes down to what you want out of it. Right. But like, I think not thought about certain things at all. And then hearing someone present them, I bring this up because there was that moment where I'm like, Ooh, I know I like my body doesn't want to accept all of this new information. It's late. It's a lot. It's hard to even put in a bucket, but I know it's useful and kind of learning to not let the discomfort prevent the integration over time is something that I'm still practicing for sure, but definitely realizing that's something that could happen is key. Like your emotions could prevent integrating new ideas, different ideas, good ideas into the process. So yeah, I think school is interesting in terms of like getting your master's because it's like I'm teaching kids now and like some of them I'm like you could go in this you could stay in this program for a you know a whole year and leave with very little change and other students where it's like the first five weeks you've already left changed so it's so different for each individual and so for me you know, everyone's journey is totally different the things I've seen the questions I've asked the threads that I've gone down and experienced, like a lot of people haven't in design or in building products or whatnot. So I always love like a new challenge and trying something that I haven't done before. And to me, that's like in a way, a masterclass of creativity in life because creative things are usually new and haven't been done before. So there's that. And then also just being a designer, what I said to my class the other day was Designers see things that other people don't and create things that have never been seen. And I think that like having lived a life where I was doing that for so many years, it just became part of the whole thing. It's like, 
how can I see something I haven't seen? Whether it's like a detail that no one's really seeing. Maybe they're seeing it, but they're glazing over it. And maybe there is something that I'm not seeing in this structure that is me and my brain. Yeah, I, I love that. And I want to kind of integrate a few things that you are saying there into kind of my next question, which is, it sounds like that conversation you had with Lane was really productive in that kind of through that conversation and collaboration, you were able to maybe see things differently than you did before. And it uh, sounds like there was built up trust over time that allowed you to go into that slightly uncomfortable, like honest space, confronting those new ideas and maybe integrating them a little better. So I'm just uh, wondering if you can kind of speak to either great teachers or great collaborations that maybe put you in that space of confronting new ideas, making something you couldn't on your own, seeing something you couldn't see, and maybe just how that kind of dynamic in collaborations work, or if that's even how you see collaboration. Yeah, I would say that the collaboration him and I have right now is the best collaboration I've had thus far. And the collaboration we have on our project with everyone, like that meeting we had two sessions ago was the best meeting I've ever had in my life. But I think the reason is that I've learned over time how to value the individual and their individual contributions. And even a higher level than that, where are they best positioned? Not where I need people positioned, but where are they best positioned? Uh, and being open to that, and also creating an environment where like, if you can't help on this project and like, don't feel guilty, like it's hurting me. If you ever want to come back, I'll welcome you with open arms. And I know the limits. Like, I know that you can't devote this time. And I don't want you to ever think I'm sitting here expecting that or sitting here like mad that you're not doing something, but to be able to communicate that and realize like to build the emotional intelligence, I guess, to recognize this happening and being able to communicate that in real time takes time. It took years of me not doing that at all. And then seeing things happen that I didn't want to happen or just go south in ways that like, oh, I feel like that could have went differently, but like, I don't have the tools to do that or whatever. So, I mean, I value every collaboration I've ever had the same way I value every past relationship I ever had or past experience, all of the same with the same lens of like, it has definitely helped me get to being able to say, oh, the last meeting I had was the best meeting I've ever had, right? Like, ideally, that should be the path with some shitty meetings in between. But like, to know that I'm able to now achieve more ideal version of the things that I've always wanted is, I don't know, that's pointing me somewhere. I'm losing track of the initial question. So I want to tie it back into that. Yeah, it was mostly just about how collaboration helps you see things in a different way in the same way you were saying that a creative is someone who sees things in a different light. Yeah. So collaboration, I mean, it's like, especially if you're collaborating with creative people, like if we look at my history of collaboration, I've been playing in bands since I was really young. So I was collaborating with a bunch of other people and seeing how those went really well at times and how those didn't go well was alerting, right? Trying new things, letting go, being too uptight like being too controlling, being not controlling at all, like seeing the different bounds and seeing what worked and why all of those things taught me to see how to get the best out of a group of people. So yeah, I mean, dude, like the earliest collaborations, I guess would be like playing on the playground with kids and, and then playing video games with friends. 
and seeing why like a friend would get mad if like you're playing the game for too long or like you were too good and like you were just like showing off or way around or like not listening to what they wanted to do when you're like hanging out like I mean, like those are early collaborations and then class projects over the years and then college, college projects, and then getting into, to a job where we were collaborating on design and, and feedback became a thing. And so like all of those things have taught me totally different things. I mean, it would take forever to break all that down, but I think looking at where I'm at now and saying, okay, having better meetings, understanding the way people are best positioned, helping them see that helping them feel comfortable enough to communicate those things with lane wise it was one of the best collaborations is from the start we set terms around what this isn't how to protect ourselves in this collaboration because creative things can go off the rails real quick even yesterday we were communicating about something for example anytime i start a project i get super excited i will if I know that we're starting a project, I'll just start jamming on stuff. Like I'll make all these different types of designs as an experiment, testing the grounds of really just getting my head in the creative gear. What I did was I sent those designs to Lane. We haven't formalized anything yet. And I wasn't expecting really feedback on the work more than just to be like, hey, here's some like cool designs I made. I'll take them or leave them. Like I don't give a shit about them. They're just ideas that have kind of come out in my flow state without knowing any constraints or anything. And he took that as like, oh shit, like I feel weird, like giving him feedback right now. Cause like, it's not anything related to the vision I have in my head, which I don't know yet. And I plan to learn. So it's like, oh, I don't know how to like give feedback here. Like what I should do, whatever. We didn't talk about it. He came over and we talked about it immediately. And like, I was totally open to it. I wasn't offended. I knew how to explain what I was doing. And actually he was able to then relate to that exactly like. Oh, I actually do that for music projects. Oh, that just happened last week with me too. This openness is kind of helping each other grow in the collaboration. And so like, and then that allows for that trust building, like you said, and accepting feedback that people are giving. So it's like knowing that, oh, we're in a space where Lane come to me and say, hey, you did something and I'm like confused by it or whatever, like means I could do the same and vice versa, like it can keep happening. So yeah, I mean, communicating with team members, knowing how they're best positioned, like not taking things personally, but also letting people know that you're not um, being accountable, knowing what you're being accountable for, showing up. These things you learn over time because you see you not doing it or other people not doing it. You realize where that goes wrong. You realize certain behaviors and how they can start disrupting collaboration. So, I mean, I've just learned so much from other people. It's really how we learn most things from other selves. So yeah, I mean, it taught me to see everything. Well, and, and you've been doing so much creative work for most of your life, from what I understand, whether it's being in bands or doing freelance work or all these different kind of avenues, how you brought up feedback, how has your like relationship to feedback like changed over time? Cause I know we've talked about it a lot and sort of a uh, uh, more kind of enlightened recent kind of perspective on it but i'm sure that was like an area of of growth for you through like being in these different projects being in bands or maybe the feedback mechanism was broken as a uh, happens sometimes in the garage when you're 16 and yeah it went from like beating the shit out of each other to like <laughs> being able to sit in my chair with tea and, and yesterday and be like, oh, like you sent this text and like, I wasn't sure what to do. And me being like, cool, like this is how I thought about it and whatever. And I like totally understand how you'd be uncomfortable. 
let's go for a walk and then come back and, and get back, you know, like, so that's been my evolution. That's been the arc. But I think that like, it all comes back to who you are in that moment. Like, did, are you capable of creating a safe space where like one people can give feedback that is like the most critical feedback that may be like, Hey, this whole project should be stopped. And like the whole thing's wrong. You shouldn't even be exploring creativity, whatever it is, right? Can you get feedback that is massive or like really small and, and tactical, like strategic or tactical? Can you handle that? Do you have buckets to place that feedback? Are you emotionally available to accept that feedback? And like, if all of those things are in place, it's going to be really difficult to react well to it. And so I would say that because I started by just like literally fighting with people, it's like, I didn't like their feedback or they didn't like mine or whatever. I wasn't in that place in any of those places, right? Like I wasn't even close to that. Also like realizing the, I remember hearing Chip Kidd, a great designer. He's like a very flamboyant designer. I think he has a little mustache. He's like very round, small glasses, but he's so funny. He's so funny. And I remember he was giving like a TED talk and he's like, I think he, he said ideas are fours or something. <laughs> like, he's just like, I don't know where this came from, but I was just like, wow, that's wild. And this is obviously a different time before like anyone was talking about sex work with any sort of rational lens, but basically kind of getting to the point of the fact that ideas are just ideas. They're not like, you don't need to invest deeply in this relationship with the ideas and you shouldn't because you're going to prevent being open to feedback. And so the more fixated I was on any idea, uh, the more, in addition to not being emotionally intelligent, in addition to like not knowing how to facilitate conversation or having assertion messages thrown my way or the other way, like that was just another level of why feedback was really hard to get. And so like, yeah, it suddenly changed over time. And I think it's through the practice of the, all of those things where it's like ideas, like I've, I mean, I would say ideas now are like the least important thing for me. Like they're important in terms of how I generate them. And like, if I can generate a lot and really think about the wealth of it and the breadth of it and the intention around it, but like, I don't get really stuck on any idea. It is harder when you've invested more time into a specific idea down the road. And then it's like, here's some like massive ground shifting feedback. That's just harder because it's uh, the whole loss of, you know, aversion thing. But with new stuff and new ideas, like I prefer to be, and it's hard to find them, but prefer to be in a state where it's like, you could just throw ideas around quickly and no one's getting like stirred or confused or like thrown off. It's like, let's explore. So if you, if everything hits perfectly, you have the perfect creative environment, like all this stuff can, can happen. But I think feedback is so directly connected to like, where you're at at the time, your relationship with ideas and people and yourself and what it means to do the work that like, it's, it's not just like, what is your opinion on feedback? It's really like, where are you at? Are you at some level of being able to receive that feedback? Yeah. Do you ever think of feedback as a, like a challenge rather than an obstacle? Like, oh, I don't know even how to execute this idea. How can I like make myself better to like meet it? Yeah. I mean, there's the feedback of like, Hey, like open to what everyone thinks about this. I don't have an answer. That's like a whole nut. That's the master level of, of all of this. Like 
knowing that you don't always have an answer or don't need to have an answer. Like the other day where Jared's like, Hey, we should like write a bio, like describe what this thing is. I'm like, I'm not in a place at the moment to come up with that. But the fact that you're about it right now and probably have a rough answer, I would love to know what your answer is. Like your feedback is, I agree. Like, that's such a great idea. We do need it. Like, give me something, give me an idea. Maybe that's sort of feedback in a way. It was feedback of like, we don't have this thing and we need it. That's ultimately what was said, but here's like, here's cool. I don't have an answer either. And I think being a leader and leading projects, oftentimes it's very easy and sometimes alluring to want to be the person that has the answer. And that also prevents feedback a lot because people are afraid to give it either because of hierarchy or because they think it's not their place to, I guess it's the same thing as hierarchy. And you might not be able to receive it because you're like leading it and you think that the leader doesn't need to get feedback. But what I loved that Jocko Nick said is like with military operations, there's feedback in both directions and it is required to give it. In fact, like you could be taken out of the military for not giving appropriate feedback. You know what I mean? Because that could jeopardize what people are doing more so than giving feedback. So like reframing the utility of feedback and what it means to like be a leader, again, coincides. So like, oh, leaders should be actually facilitating feedback more often. He uh, was a Navy SEAL and speaking about like, you have, I, I'm going to get all of this wrong, but like in terms of the hierarchy of the military, like reporting upwards or reporting downwards is really just upwards means more strategic minded people that are thinking of, of the grander strategy. And the, and downwards is all of the tactical implementation of a strategy. But if the people that are defining strategy don't always know what's happening on the ground, usually have no idea. The only way they can know is feedback and vice versa. So like to not give feedback upwards is preventing strategies from being altered uh, and thought through and, and taken into uh, account or new strategies being taken into account and then not being able to communicate downwards is kind of leading people completely astray or having people implement things tactically with no strategic alignment. And that to me is like a degradation of any organization, big or small, because it's like, what are we doing this for? Whether it's like a high level, what are we doing this for? Like, hey, like, what am I actually like doing right now? <laughs> like you have me hitting this button, but I don't actually know why. So I'm going to stop for 10 minutes, but it's like, oh no, you need to hit it every three seconds because it's keeping the lights on or something, whatever. So there's like that level of strategy. And then there's like, hey, we're like trying to create a new, I don't know why I'm thinking about Lost right now. Didn't they have to do that? They had like hit a button. But like we're trying to create society, a culture. And part of that is the electricity of that culture. So hitting that button every three seconds is like essential for all X, Y, Z. Communicate that give us purpose, but also allows them to define how that strategy is adapted as well. So yeah. It's I'm curious to, uh, to stress test that analogy a little bit in like the creative space, which is funny because hierarchy is the one thing on your list. I said, I didn't want to talk about during my interview, but I, you got me curious yeah. about it. So in that military context, you have this strategic thinkers kind of on high and then more tactical, like ground level operations. Do you feel like in the creative sphere, like more people at every level have to be thinking both strategically and tactically just because of the nature of it? Or do you think it 
operates in kind of a similar way. Is it, does everyone need to be a big picture thinker? Say I'm making a record, right? Does the cowbell player need to be thinking on a similar level as the producer to align on that goal? Or is there such thing as like, oh, you can just head down worker B, get the job done in a creative thing, sort of aligning more like that military metaphor you made. Yeah, I think that there is room for everyone. Some people like just want to be told what to do. Some people that you would think don't want that actually really do want that when you provide it to them. And when you give them autonomy, they don't know what to do, even though they might say, hey, I would love full autonomy to do something, right? And there's everything in between. I think that at some point, especially, and it depends on the project. When you're talking creative projects, sometimes these things aren't funded at all. Sometimes it's that a good will and like volunteering. And at some point, if you're hitting this button and it's like five years and you just keep hitting it, your fingers bleeding, you're like, ah, fuck it. I don't want to do this anymore. And if you're losing sight of why you're doing it and forgetting that, yeah, I mean, it's good. You're going to be demotivated way quicker. So I think that like, there's some degree of this that is useful for any level, any type of project. I think that if a cowbell player was playing and they understood the vision, maybe they would look for references and like understand where it feels more appropriate and like own the mastery of that thing or their role, right? Other people are like, dude, just tell me like, is it quarter notes for like the first eight measures and whatever? Like, give me the fucking whole map. Mm -hmm. But like then, for the strategic people or the other tactical people, they're like uninspired by that. Or so I think there's a piece that everyone should embrace. I mean, you should, there's strategy and tactics at every level. It's just at a micro level, at a macro level, like there is a larger strategy that people should know, like, what are you doing as part of this thing? Having some purpose and meaning. And then their own strategies of how to like, how they want to do their specific thing is important. I think that like, People don't need to be like macro strategy all the time. There's obviously people that will support them in that journey if you could find them. And they don't need to be tactical all the time if there's people in the journey. I've kind of embraced both, but it does cost you. Like it's expensive to do that physically and mentally and emotionally. I mean, it's a lot, right? So I don't think people need to know everything about everything all the time at every level. But like knowing how they fit is important and aligning on that, right? Cause like, I might be like, yeah, you're best suited here for this strategy that I have figure out like your strategy for bringing this to life. And you're like, I don't agree with the strategy and I don't think I'm best suited here. So I'm not going to do that. Or I'm going to think about it half-assed and execute it even half or <laughs> asked. Like, so it is essential big and small projects The type the way it is presented at bigger, small projects or like creative versus very corporate projects. Like I think the way it's presented and framed and communicated can be different. It might be like a big order meeting versus like having a friend in your apartment talking about something, but I think it's important. It doesn't need to happen and it might, everything might be fine if it doesn't happen until it's not. And then you're like, oh shit, probably should have had that talk, you know? Sure. Yeah. So I want to pivot to the exact opposite uh, end of the spectrum from that hierarchy organization. And I, I just want to ask not about the concept of play, but I want to know how you play in your daily work life, like personally for you, yeah. like what, what did that look like? Is it opening a document and just like 
doing random designs or looking through like color palettes and fonts or like what what does play look like for you this week play is is so fun and i've definitely embraced it more over the 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 recent years because of rory's children but play yesterday is like lane and i just like cracking jokes and like just coming up with funny scenarios of like we're talking about like the unexpected and how norm mcdonald said something about comedy is the unexpected and then we just like riffed for like 10 minutes on unexpected like behaviors of like making fun of actually the conversation that we had earlier in the day of like me sending that text with designs and then showing up at a studio and being like, Hey man, I'm ready to record now. Like my side of the deal is done. Like <laughs> you get to do now you have to like spend the next year recording this record or something. So there's playing in like the humorous side of things. And I think that's important to just like open up the mind to life and these deep, scary, like, oh, I have to have this conversation with Mike about this. And then being able to just blow it up and realize like, all right, it's all in good faith. It's funny. Like, what is the extreme of that situation? That's play. It's playing with like just norms and ideas and sort of our own fears and unnecessary anxieties. But I also, uh, I talked about this in one of the lives. I have a document called Cool Shit and Cool Shit has like, hundreds, actually 92 pages in it. Each page has totally different designs. And one day I was like, oh, like I have these like three color, four colors that I really love as part of the brand. There's like a purple, there's like a lighter pink, there's a yellow and there's a white. There's also black. What can I do with like these colors and how they relate to each other? And basically the colors became little blocks as if I was a kid. And how can I like build them into structures and like make little houses with them or spaceships or whatever the fuck, like not really thinking about what I was making. And I was doing that and like all the constraint I gave was I had this like grid system that I was like getting familiar with and trying to like just get comfortable with. So like, because it was so strict and scary and new, I was like, I'm just going to play with it. I'm just going to like throw these things around. And so I did, and I'll take it off the charger for a second. So I did, and I made these things. That's what came out of that play session. And now they're right here. And so like, that was genuine. That's why I have the art in the room that I do. None of this came from me being incredibly strategic or collaborating or getting feedback. I got no feedback on this other than like my buddy Ross being like, I was like, is this cool? He's like, yeah, it's dope. Sick. Print it. Like, I like it. I want people to come into the space and like it. But like all of this stuff around me are just things that I like played and made. Like, it's just like different little pieces. Like if I get a painted it and like put it on the wall right away, it's like, that's where I'm at. This is the blue period. Like I would do that, but I don't, that's not how I work. I do digital design and I print it and get it like manufactured and then put it on a pillow or a poster or whatever. So yeah, I mean, like that's a good case study because that literally turned into something from play, but like, I'll show you here, like this thing, which I actually saw recently, I was like, this might be dope. Like no one's ever seen this. It's just the thing I made one time and like, it looks fucking tight, but like it inspired that actually, this was like version one of like 17 studies of just fucking around, <laughs> of studying how to do things in cool shit, copy to that sketch. So like, there's so much in here. I mean, literally do. So imagine that, like you see, those were two things, right? But like, look, each one of those exists on a page and there's just 
tons of them. I just open wow. this document and I throw shit inside of it. Like this says hand sanitizer is the new stage. That was early in the pandemic. This was like, I think this was about dualism, but also like this font is incorrect. It, the font didn't load. Whoops. Just like random shit that I thought about and like wrote, like studying different colors I liked, playing with dots and auto-generated design. These right here are fucking these right there. Like that just came from me playing around. And I don't know, man. I mean, it's just, it's, it was so fun. None of this work that you're seeing, I thought about. I just made it. And like one of my favorite versions of the logo that I ever made came from this. It was just like, how can I try? Like, it wasn't even how can I anything. It was like, I'm going to make this, I have a thin version of the logo. I just want to fuck around with duplication for a bit. And there's weird stuff like this. I hate, I don't want anyone to see this, but I'm going to show it to everyone right now. I just don't like it. I wouldn't put this on my wall, but I'm glad that it exists. Like, why is there just a rectangle with a line through it? That's what I have, but it's safe. Like, I'm not thinking about who's going to see this or what they're going to say about it or how they're going to judge my work. This is strictly like, even if someone commented, like, I don't like any of this, like, I don't give a fuck because this is not for anyone. This is totally for me. And so it's great and it's fun. And that to me, I play all the time. So that's like design version of play, learning to skate and like going down a hill and trying to weave in between like pieces of garbage in the street and trying to fit and see if I could do it. It's play. I've really played too much, <laughs> but life's fun. When I teach, I use the Apple pencil to draw on the slides. So like I have a slide that might say like one thing, but I write on top of it and I'll draw images. I'll like, if I'm talking about something, I'll like start drawing. I think play in a way, the way I would define it for me is like letting go of all of the stuff that you know, or think you know, or like what you think is right and just embracing the unknown without being afraid of it at all. And like not even really acknowledging its presence too much, just making something to make something and not even thinking about making it. Like just not just getting materials and cobbling them together and uh, seeing what comes out and not doing it in a performative way and not like none of this stuff. I was, and no one was there. I knew that it's up to me if I would even allow anyone to see it. And if I didn't, then like, like that, that weird plaid looking, like, I always look at that one and I'm like, that is, I hate it. Yeah, it's hideous. How did that even come out of me? I was like, it's funny because like, that's what came out. Like I have no control over it. So yeah, it, it's fun. It points to kind of, and it reminds me too, of like memories when I made this. So I'd say I play a lot and I try to encourage it for other people. Yeah. Well, firstly, that stuff is dope. Just had to put that out there. I, I even like the ugly thing. Here you get out of it. Okay. And then I've always noticed in myself, especially lately that when I make work, when no one's watching, I take unbelievable risks that like things that just shouldn't work, that don't make sense. I put 11 plugins on a Kunga until it sounds like a horror movie soundtrack and stuff like that. And I think I've created a space for myself where risk-taking is not only safe, but encouraged. So it's almost like I've created a space where that play is okay, because in my professional life, a lot of what I do is performance on demand that is, uh, has to at least be within some bounds or parentheses or adhere to some 
level of or concept of like quality or professionalism, do you feel like play kind of removes maybe some of the strictures of maybe more organized, like professional life and lets you just kind of do crazier things knowing that no one's watching kind of thing? Yeah, I, I think that's why it's there. I think like it's sort of work and play are on opposite ends of the spectrum for a reason. And if play could turn into work or work could turn into play at times or all the time or some of the time, that's cool. Or if your work, if that plaid weird thing I showed you became like your suit at the Grammys, like that, <laughs> you know, like then it would become work and then it would be a whole thing of how do we manufacture this, whatever. The origins of things, the origins of ideas, I don't think matter. I think that if it came in a great moment, like if the origin of this pillow came from me not thinking about making a pillow and just in my cool shit document and all like a year later became this pillow on my bed now, that's great. Cause now play became work. Like people can purchase that now. And like, I can sell that now and I'm advertising that now and whatever. That's cool. You know, they can definitely bounce back and forth. But I think that like, in a way, because they're not percent of the spectrum, there is that yin yang to them where they support each other. And if it's like, I mean, Kubrick said it best, right? Like all work, no play makes Jack a dull boy. I think it's the, uh, dude killed his family. So like, I think that like the risk of not playing is that you lose your damn mind. And I think that's what Kubrick was saying in many ways of that film. It was just all about work. He referring to the shining for those of you that haven't seen it or haven't really thought about it in a while or whatever. I saw it not too long ago. I think he was saying partially in that and a study on him. It, it, I, he can choose any movie he wants, right? But to take on that movie of like, how does the creative person, like, is it just work all the time? It's just grinding and like having shitty relationships and like just destroying your sense of self and reality. Do you ever have a moment to cut loose? And if that moment's all the time, that's bad too. But like at the very least, you should incorporate some play like because in a way it's like a skill it's like a muscle to be honed like you can't just like chart it out like there's some days i open up the cool shit document and i'm like i'm just gonna like lay something down and like there's just like nothing that could really come out and then like i'm like oh man it's like it's sure and then i'll like stop for a second i'll start feeling self-conscious i'll start putting my work mind into it and then it's like oh i disconnect and then i sit back down and it becomes play again so i think it's like it's definitely a practice and I think it's a complementary practice to work. I don't think it's required, but like you also don't want to end up like Jack Nicholson in the movie, not in real life. That's, I don't know what he's like. So yeah, I, yeah, that's my thoughts on play. Do you feel like you have to carve out specific times to do that? Do you like set yourself up to play? Is it, is it a practice for you in the sense that like people have like a meditation practice or a yoga practice. Do you have like a Michael on the screen practice to just I, play and be divergent? I've out the screen now. I have screens in front of me. I'm at the screen all the time. Like ideally, I don't want to practice getting familiar with screens being around me. I like to practice fitness related things because I'm horrible at keeping up with them and it's good for you and it'll keep me alive a little bit longer. The practice of play i don't want to put too many bounds on it because then it'll start work sooner than later and if it's like every monday i get to play and it's like oh sorry i take this meeting and i'm like scheduling around it's more a feel thing where it's like 
dude, I've been fucking grinding. Like it's just been like all meetings and like sales calls and whatever. And then I'll open up the document and it's just like fun. Just like, right, right. I still got it. I could still like throw shapes and make them look really crazy. And I'd rather it be like that than scheduled because I think that I would start to not like it as much and not appreciate it as much because sometimes I just don't need to play. Sometimes I've played all week, some weeks running my own business. Like the work just isn't there. And like, I'm made up had a bunch of meetings with friends and like, maybe they're like starting to talk about business things or like whatever, but like I'm dicking around most of the week. And so like to be like, also Monday I'm going to play. So I think like, it doesn't also mean that I need to play in terms of design. Like if I'm out skateboarding for like a full day, cause I have like nothing going on a Monday like that, I'm so grateful for that. And I'm like, you just played like the eight year old, you would be fucking thrilled about this so that you just like skateboarded all day and like sat and got coffee and like checked out girls and like did your like little boy things that you do and like. To then say, oh, also, I need to do this now. I need to play and like, you know, like on my computer because it's Monday at six. Like, I think that I always am cautious about pulling from the, of either side of life too hard. And I have a habit of pulling on the work side more than the play side, but I think it's about keeping a balance. And I'm also curious too, I've been thinking about this for a while and trying to figure out the right time to ask, but how is design no it's not bad i promise i guess we'll see damn kid now how does that relationship to i guess play specifically how is that different um with design than it is maybe with music which you have been doing just as long but not like professionally in the same way does being like a professional like change your relationship to that playing and this is one more an outlet than the other or are they still the same to you design lost its outlet vibe for me years ago and i really was upset about that because it used to be only an outlet and then it became a profession and i think i like edged too far on the work side of that and have recently over the last three years gained that back where it's both so i love that with music it was always that thing that wasn't the work except when i was like working on a record for a whole year that really did feel like work at times but to be able to just like pick up a guitar and play and like perform at a open mic or to sit in a room and perform to myself, that definitely feels like play. It's like, what's interesting is like not having as much of a toolkit, like your play on the guitar would probably sound better if recorded and released. And like, let's say we had to like release our version to play. Like I would assume maybe I'm wrong, but I would assume that like someone who like has more tools and guitar would be able to do that better. Like me playing in graphic design is would be more releasable than you playing in Photoshop, right? True. I can vouch for that. So like, but that's the evaluative version of it. I think like when I sit and I write songs, I mean, I have hundreds of voice memos now that are like me playing on guitar and singing melodies. So those will turn into the next record. Those have turned into the records before. So. I don't like look at it too much. Even last night I was like, oh dude, like Lane should probably be helping with exploring creativity over my next record because how am I going to make another record right now? Like, <laughs> like really, you know, like there's a big client project coming up. There's a teaching project coming up. There's this coming up. Like 
to add a record onto that seems out of control. So that makes it work anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Music has been definitely more of a play space. When my life was imbalanced and like it was more like design was work, music was play. Now it's more balance where design is work and play. And music, like there's times where I'm like, yeah, if I never did it again, like there's some days where I'm like, that would be fine. And then other days I'm like, yeah, but like there's a part of me that just loves documenting things musically. It's like sort of my, it's a musical scrapbook, like all the records I have. So to like not honor like the years passing is sort of writing music is like honoring the years passing. I like to do that. So do you see the sum of all of the, all of your work, creative work or writing or whatever? Do you see that as a kind of scrapbook of your life? Are you, do you think of it consciously that way? Cause you use the image of scrapbook and that just had me curious. Yeah. I mean, I think everything is like the cool shit document is a scrapbook. Like when I look at some of those things, like the post, like these guys, I remember the day I remember where I was. I don't remember what day it was, but I know I was in LA. I was at my desk. Like I was kind of in the middle of working on the hit lab stuff. The weather was nice. Things were going like pretty well friends, like everything was pretty good. And there's just memories attached to every project because they happened at a certain time. But I think like also looking at it, you could look at work and say, wow, where was I? Where was I creatively? Where was I professionally when I made that stuff? And then with music, it's like, where was I emotionally, socially more than like, where was I sonically? Yeah. Like where was I sonically? Not so much. I pretty much listen to the same things for the last like 20 years. My music will always probably sound the way it does. I have no intention of really changing that. I just like doing it. I like picking up a guitar and then rooting everything around, centering around. And I'm more than happy with it. To me, it's like a check. And when I listen to Bloom, it's like, oh, damn, like, all right, around the time my mom died, like, where was that with my family? Where was that with myself and work and friends and like, I sing about all that on the record. The second record is like, where was I at with the relationship I was in thinking about moving to LA? Like these are like big milestones in my life. So yeah, those are definite, like those are more direct sort of scrapbooks. So you could take a photo of the moments and put them in a scrapbook. And I'm going to kind of tee you up for this because you mentioned this on the phone the other day, but how is your, so you have the scrapbook. How often would you look through it and like, what's your relationship to kind of consuming the things that you made or like appreciating like your own work? Cause I know for me that is, and I think many musicians specifically, that's kind of a difficult thing to listen to yourself or to kind of revisit past work. And it's like, oh, like yeah. my new shit's better, bro. Like the last, I mean, yeah, here's my EP, but like check out like the new thing that isn't out yet. I don't know. Right. <laughs> It's your relationship to that. Okay, but my new shit is better. Like, cool. So when we did talk about it, you asked me about the art that I have in the room and how I feel about like having my own art. I have a funny story about that with Lane said, because it's like, oh, are people going to see you as like narcissistic? And he's like, if that's the smoking gun, like you hanging art in your room is like where people are like, oh shit. This, he's like, there's so many other reasons why if you are that, people would think that where it's like, having art in your room should, like could be an indicator, but is it? And the way I was telling you and the way I was explaining it to you is like, and I genuinely believe this one. Now, you know, like where these things originated, all of the stuff in the room originated from that document, mm -hmm. which is me subconsciously making something 
based on where I was at. And then looking back and being like, I dig this. I really do. I, it's m the most me it could possibly be. It's like me, the body being in another form. And if I can't like that, then what can I like? If I can't like me at my like silly, vulnerable play state, how could I like me at my like serious fucking, you know, suit and tie on state, mm -hmm. which I also never wear. But if I did with my nicer t-shirt state, uh, but you know, I love the work. When I wake up and see the work, I come in, I'm like sick. This feels good. And it's not like, because I'm trying to like hype myself up. I just like it. I mean, I made like something in me made this thing and I like it. And when I talked about earlier, before you joined sort of this idea of like, what is the overall mission and inspiring people to be their best creative selves. I think part of that is like being able to love yourself and love your creation. I think that like a lot of times there's like this myth of like not being happy with the work that you do, because it means that like, then you'll get better and then people will like it. And like, no, nah, like people are going to know about you because you worked your ass up marketing it. Like it has nothing to do with how much you hate yourself. Like if it was, <laughs> I'd be fucking mega famous when I was like 15, but that was all it took. So it's unfortunately or fortunately not that. And if I like something, you know, I like this photo of my dad and my sister and I, but since I'm in the photo, they're like not hacking it up. Like right. it's to me, and what I said to Lane also is like, if I could build a bed, like a bed frame and a desk. And I was like real manly and shit. I would have those desks in my apartment, but like, I can't do that. I can like do things that like turn into posters and pillows. So like, I'm going to do that because it's my contribution. It's what I do. And if I can't design a home that I feel really good in, like that seems like a big waste of all this time learning about design and like how to build spaces and think about it. So, I mean, I'm not going to find a product that's more me than something that was created by my subconscious until algorithms make shit for me. But like, I find things that like suit me that I'm like, oh, this desk like feels like of the vibe that I might make if I made a desk, but like, it's not the same as like subconsciously making a pillow design or a design that then gets put on a pillow because there's nothing more me than that. Thanks for modeling a healthy relationship to one's own work, because I ha there aren't a lot of models for that in the creative sphere that, and I've looked and there, I mean, there are some, but you know, you watch the, even the Paul McCartney thing and he's usually so like charming and they pulled up the Vader on one of his vocals. He's like, no, no, turn that down. Like yeah, that was terrible. I was really bad that day. Like, no, you're, if, if you're Paul McCartney and you don't like the way that sounds, then I don't know. Yeah, but I guess you are the hope. I'm the hope. But I, I did want to follow up on, on one thing there, which was, it sounds like part of you putting that art up is curating your space and creating an environment that feels like you. Surrounding yourself with things that you love that kind of reflect your subconscious is that, I'm sure part of that is just the human need to nest and feel comfortable in your space. But does that feed into your creativity if you're working from home does it kind of feed you and, and make you feel more inspired in any kind of way to have a space that feels you and then you can kind of immerse yourself or is it just just a normal deal yeah i mean that was the intention so the intention of the space when i came in it was just like a small room pretty much a square with a cutout for a closet but it's a square and it's white and it has brown floors. And so I walked in and like, I'm like, this is definitely not home. What am I doing here? I had to set up a desk quick and computer quick and a bed and had this like broken lamp that would like sometimes turn on. 
And that was like week one and two. And I was like, okay, like I want to make this feel right for me, who is at this computer a lot at this desk. I want to sit at this desk every time and be like, damn, bro, proud of you. Like all the work you put in, all the like highs and lows of your life. You're sitting at this desk today to make something for someone or show up on a phone call or like be on this live. Like this desk should feel good. You shouldn't be like looking and be like, oh, I should probably fix that. And like, whatever, like just getting into a place where you're not questioning the space you're in, because how are you going to feel more vulnerable and insecure than being in a space where you don't feel comfortable in it? So why I put my own art up, our own product up is that I'm doing this room other than the people that come and visit, which like it's COVID and I want to be respectful of my roommates and everything. Like I'm not having like tons of people come in. There's a small group of people I have that like are vaccinated and tested that come in. But other than that, like it's me and having gone through quarantine in my own place alone, I'm blessed to have people around, but the space itself where I create such a small space. I remember as I added stuff to the walls, feeling better inside, like, oh, right. If it one feels a little bit smaller and cozier, but in a good way. And it's like, I look at that work and I'm like, that's wild. Like it's just wild and it's fun to look at. And it's just like, that's cool. That came out of me. Great. Like, what else can I do? And, you know, I think there's something about the journey of accepting oneself, which is a journey that we're all on or hope to be on or want to be on or whatever. And, you know, I think it plays into that. Like I said, or I hinted at, which is you're showing up to this desk and you should be proud of yourself when you do that. You not prideful, but proud of what you've accomplished so far at the journey you've been on and the struggles you've been on because that you've come out alive from. And, you know, I see this work here. I see the desk. They're all on these like silver stands. Like they all look like little mini iMacs. I have like a iPad and a external monitor and the phone's even on a little iMac stand and they're just like at the same height. And so I can scan across and they're all at the same level and they're lifted off my desk and I could put like a notebook and these green coasters that like look really cool next to the yellow notebook. I can put them all like right there. That's all I have on my desk. That's it. Other than like the gear, it's the notebook and these coasters. And um, I don't question it. I can just sit down and get to work and talk to people openly and honestly, not fumble for things. When I stare off, I see this creation. I can let my eye travel. I'm excited that I'm able to produce a pillow. Like, I don't even know young me wouldn't have been, couldn't even conceive that. I see my skateboard on the wall here, my hats, a shelf. And it's just like, it's all the things that I need. I've also been living very minimally where I have very few things. So like, all the things I need are here. Everything else is up here or out there. And so like, yeah, I don't know where uh, we're talking about the space. There's a lot of different spaces. There's the space, the physical one, the mental one, and then the external space. And it's more so about like curating all of those than just one of those. Cause you could be like, so fucking zen in your head and then you go outside and you can't deal with the world. So is your space really optimal? Are you gonna have a beautiful space? but be miserably depressed in it and never go outside. Like that's also bad or any permutation of those things.
so when I think about curating the space, it's like, I live close to my family. I live close to my closest friends. I live in an apartment with a close friend of mine, soon to be another friend of mine. I live near a lot of great things and people and interesting things. The apartment itself feels interesting and creative. And mentally, I'm every day working to get to a better place there where I'll be accepting myself. So like, I feel like those are the environments that I'm optimizing for. Showering, putting a poster on my wall. That's just a small thing. It was like, I like it. It's cool. Rather than look at like, oh, let me hang up some great artist poster who I'll never be and like worship someone else. Because people would say that's better. You're better worshiping someone else than liking yourself. I think people might, some people might argue that or at least demonstrate that. Well, that's a quote right there. I love that. It's very empowering. And I think a part of everyone's apprenticeship is some kind of level of hero worship. We love art. That's why we make it. And it starts there, but yeah, at, at a certain point that I, that shouldn't get in the way of self-acceptance, which I think is, can be really difficult sometimes for people in general, but artists specifically. And I think however it looks, I just listened to Lil Nas X's record and I heard an interview with him and it's cool. It's a very cool record. A lot of minor chords, but cool. It's fun. But I remember listening to an interview with him where he was talking about him getting famous off Old Town Road and then. Everyone just being like, this dude's like a joke. Like he just makes like joke songs Like we should just like laugh at him. And then him coming to terms with like being a homosexual and then coming to terms with like the fact that he could own his own art and like make something that's really meaningful and important and it and embraces his like acceptance of his sexuality. And I just remember hearing that and, and it was so inspiring. He's going on that journey too. These people that we can all worship or look up to, hearing him talk about that and then hearing the product, the, the record, it's like, oh yeah, definitely. You could feel that. And, and however it looks is what I was going to start with, right? If it looks like a music video where this dude's like in a shower with like 18 guys with like shampoo covering their genitalia, then so be it or whatever it is. I don't remember. Like if that's how it looks like cool, because the fact that he got there is better than not getting there. And people can live their whole life and not get there. For me, if it looks like I hang a few posters on my wall, then sick. Like if that is what it means to me to like put the cherry on top of accepting myself, then tight. That, that's kind of how I see it. Do you feel like your a creative journey and your personal journey in those ways are, are kind of intertwined in some sense? A, a self, self-discovery journey? A thousand percent. Yeah. I think that like I'm still on... I will always be on those journeys, but you know, I'm thinking about even with like my professional journey and my personal journey, my creative journeys. And I remember a few months ago taking a call with Facebook, they had like reached out on LinkedIn and I was like, I'm going to take this call. I'm not going to take the job. I have no intention of taking it. Like I want to keep status going, whatever, but I'm going to take the call and I'm going to be this version of me on the phone only. I'm not even gonna like show work. I'm just gonna be me. <laughs> like I'm gonna subvert all expectations. Like everything they expect, I'm just not going to. And at the end of the call, the lady who was interviewing me was like, this is the best interview I've had. I'm so like, like I had such a great conversation. I really want you to join the team. Like whatever I can do to help you, I wanna do. And I was like, okay, that I already got the job. Like I emotionally, you know, like I won because I was being myself 100% and someone accepted that and I wasn't doubting it. If I was actually interviewing with them, I would have not done that. But doing that 
Now that's all I'm ever going to do any interview if I ever work anywhere, because I want that version of me to be the one that they hire. So from a creative journey or a professional journey or a personal journey, like I want that version of me to be the one they hire. And by hire, you could swap that out with our friends with or art they like. Like I want that version of me to be that thing. If you're buying my pillows, that's the real version of me. You know what I mean? That is like the most pure version. I wasn't like, how can I make the perfect pillow to make everyone buy it? Like, it was just like, how can I make a design that I really like? Oh, that would actually look kind of cool on a pillow front and back. You know, like if people buy, that's cool. That's me. There's no other way around it. So it's definitely been correlated. Definitely been correlated. That's huge. And that really got me thinking about framing something like craft or technique as kind of just removing the technical aspect from making something which does like reflect your truest self and by by having the the tools in the toolkit maybe that helps you get closer to the truest version of who you are in whatever it is you're doing and in conversation it could be like language it doesn't have to be brush strokes or modes or something it could be anything really it helped you render your truest form better so if you have better words, like there was a few moments where I was looking for words, if I had better words there, we would have gotten even further for an extra millisecond of time, it, better technical skills. Yeah. You might get in different rooms. It'll kind of render like the, the uh, solos you have in your head more accurately. So I think it plays a role for sure, but I don't, I think there's something in between that philosophical approach to connecting and the work that people overlook for the technical side of things. Oh, of course. But also like, don't suck at what you do. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I agree. Part of the Facebook conversation was me talking about teams and talking about the technical bits, right? It wasn't just me like talking, like we're talking right now, but a lot of it was. So yeah, I think people hire you. They don't hire like your skill set mm. or like they don't hire like Kim Kardashian for like how well she sews her like clothing line. Like that's not why they're hiring her. That's not why they're buying her products or whatever. Like she doesn't sew her clothing line. So like technically it doesn't matter. They're subscribing to something else. So if you're a pleasure to be around and you can perform at a level that's needed, it doesn't need to be this like exceptional, like insane level. But the necessary level for whatever the task is, and like, I think that the personality w wins every time. Yeah, I've noticed that in my own life and career without fail. It is always that there's always somebody who can perform a task on the tactical level, probably better and quicker and more efficiently. And, but it's about who do you want to be with? And kind of full circle to the beginning, it's about what collaboration means on like a person to person level and kind of aligning on what, like what you're trying to do that's you know, maybe bigger than both of you that has, I guess, nothing to do with the technical side of things. So I really like yeah. the train of thought you went down. And I think Angel would probably agree with me. I interviewed her like probably episode. 12, I'm going to say, but everything gets encoded in the document is what she would say. And your poor collaboration is in there. Whether people hear that 
or you can't forget it every time you hear it. It's it. Yeah. So like, it's your call. Like, oh, that, I, I can't that's huge. and feel joy because it was in there from the start. That's why it's inspiring. It's not how it looks. It's not like designed to inspire. It was, in, it was inspired work that came from an inspired place. And when I see it again, it brings me back to that state. You know what I mean? It's like having a yeah. tent. Yeah. Yeah. Doing. It's not like, oh, design so that you put this on in the left corner of your room and it will make you good at things. Sure. Or like, yeah. You know? It's like the cookies that are made with love. It like, it really, they really are made with love. <laughs> It, it's all encoded in there. It is encoded in the document. It's encoded in the cookies, man, for sure. Like when I have like the cookies my cousin made when I was staying with them or my aunt made, like those are just different. Even when they're not that good, they're different. Yeah. Like there were times, I remember my aunt was like, oh, I ruined these like brownies, but they were still better than like a brownie, like a bad brownie at a store. Oh, yeah by someone who really did give a shit the, like the best restaurant experience i had in months which i have been talking about a lot but i was at this italian restaurant and i told them like i miss my grandma like i'm italian like give me whatever like just bring me food bring me the right thing and i was in there and i took a bite of it and the sauce was the closest to anything that was like the palate of what my family makes i've ever had at a restaurant anywhere like New York, Rome, LA, Boston, North End. And I, I took a bite and I, I started crying because it yeah. like, it really is, there's deep connections to those things. And it's whether it's art or food or any of that stuff. Yeah. A lot gets encoded and can pop up at unexpected times. It, 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 you're looking at the pillow and will always be reminded of that inspired state, even if you're maybe not in it that day. But that's that serves as a reminder of maybe what the the flow state can be ideally, or it's it's the fruit of that beautiful thing, and that will never leave the pillow, even if the pillow starts fading and becomes more lavender than whatever color it is now. I love that. I'm just writing it out. We've been going for a minute. Do you want to keep going or do you want to uh, wrap this up? I have a, a T-ball home run last question whenever you're ready for it. Otherwise, we can keep going. I can keep going for sure. How do you feel, though? Because I know hosting is hard, but your first hosting, that's probably even harder. So you're doing great, by the way. Oh, thanks. It's, it's a lot easier to talk about um, myself than to talk about right? you, mostly because I'm wonderful. And um, you're also wonderful, just slightly less wonderful than me. It's like asking good questions. I, I don't know if you got to listen to the talk I sent you that I gave to my former college, but you should learn how to ask really good questions. It's really powerful and hard to do. A lot of them ask really good questions, but man, that, it takes so much energy to really like keep prying and you're doing a great job. You really are. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I feel like if I did, if I did 30 of them, I would get somewhere. Yeah, that's why like the other day I was out, I was on Saturday and someone told me, you ask really great questions. And then the two friends that were like, yeah, you really do. And I was like, honestly, I genuinely can say that I've practiced asking questions for two hours a week, pretty least. 
Like I actually could say that I did that. That's the only reason why I get asked questions now. Prior to that, I'd be like, cool. Like, that sounds cool. (laughs) (laughs) But that's kind of an unexpected, like byproduct, like skill of the process. Is that something you took away from this process that we were not looking for? Yeah, that and like uncovering information about my friends that like, just like these nuances about them and how like there was so much more under the surface of all the people I know that have known that like, wow, that means everyone around me, there's, you know, and I can just dig in that same way with most people. And yeah, but the question, the benefit of being, learning how to ask better questions and learning how to like pry into things and how to like support someone's discomfort or comfort or joy, like how do I just keep things moving? It's definitely been a part of that. Yeah. So, so I think you're talk, talking about the, the process of doing this thing in that kind of meta way. I mean, without, without choosing favorites or, or picking moments or anything like that, what are some things that you took away like specifically from like doing these interviews? Are there any like real standout, like quotes or anything that you've like actually implemented and used that's like fed back into your own like creative life or has it not just stated long enough yet? Like completely useless journey. No, I'm pulling up the episode tracker. Um, literally looking at every single person, I could tell you one thing for each one that I've taken away and implemented both like directly implemented or philosophically implemented or have a reminder of their face and voice reminding me or modeling to me certain things. Like I'd say a funny one. I remember episode, um, now I have the sheet up so I could sound really smart. I remember talking to JC, it was midsummer, and he's like, dude, you know what I've been doing? That's been really helping. And I was like, what? This is episode 17. I just been taking my shirt off and like being outside with no shirt. I remember that. Yeah. And I was like, fuck dude, that's incredible. Like free the nipple. No, but for real, like that really, that stuck with me as like, and I was going to Aruba, I think like the next week or something. And like, I'd always be like, oh, reserved. I'm pale. Like, how am I going to like take my shirt off? I just did it. And I was like, that was great. I burned. Was it liberating though? So liberating. Yeah, I, re- uh, I, re- I remember that vividly. Memorable. With Molly doing the hand massages at the beginning, that was really fun. I still do them time when I'm on my skateboard. I do hand massages. It's sort of part of my like traveling around. I'm like, my hands are free. Might as well do them here. Tyler, I remember everyone asking us about, oh, like, what did Harry Styles like? Harry Styles, like the whole time was just like about Harry Styles. I'm, just, I'm asking one question here. I, I really want to know like what he taught you. And that really stuck with me. Like, it seems like it's a great guy, but just like what he taught Tyler was, I think really interesting. When you think about celebrity, you think about how they can teach you things. So I, I like that. I was honored to interview Alex. He doesn't really do interviews or anything. So like the fact that he was doing it and it was his first live was like meant a lot. And I always love digging into his mind with Angel, where she opened up about finding out she had autism at uh, like 33 years old. That was like when stuff like that happens, when people talk about medical conditions or personal conditions on air, it means a lot. And it says a lot that they feel comfortable enough with me 
and the platform to say those kind of things. So that was really big and it was really useful. And I think about that a lot. Danny Klein, when he was talking about self-compassion versus self-esteem and how self-compassion, like, I mean, that dude, I was in San Diego for that month and that was actually right after we met. That was the first live after we met. And, um, just thinking, meditating on self-compassion was big at that. I remember Greg talking about this triangle model of how he balances things in his life. And I think that was really useful, like time, people, self or something like that. People sharing these models. Yeah. I mean, I was listening to Addison's cause I'm pulling clips and like, I remember him talking, I mean, I've known him forever and like just learning so many new things or nuances around how he thinks like, but this idea of sort of if you do something long enough, you'll get good at it. Like simple as that. And it really is just having that relentless practice sometimes. So I mean, I could go on some of them. I, I kind of forgot the details of but literally every one of them was so, so inspiring. Like one liners, ways of reframing, like with Dale in the first episode was like the like known knowns, known unknowns, unknown unknowns, unknown knowns or something like breaking down like the things we know things i forgot who like coined that whole thing but we got into that yeah all great people and just such great ideas what i love about the things that you actually chose to talk about there was almost none of them had anything to do with our like topic ideas or like creativity specifically like those takeaways were for the most part life things and i've noticed this and it sounds like it's been this way for you as well, but the, what's actually in the, the big takeaway from this whole, um, project and, and process is a, a better understanding of creative people, like as people and life sort of as it re relates to creativity, but it's a lot less of, oh, I, I try to write songs at night sometimes. And then in the morning, other times, cause it, it helps it sound different. Like I thought it was going to be more little more practical in that way. And it, it turned out to be this just wonderful, like extended masterclass of really interesting, engaged, like thoughtful people kind of presenting, like you said, like their models of how they frame certain things in life, which I definitely walk around with kind of maybe a slightly better understanding of the world than I had before, because there was this nice kind of, uh, brainstorm like collective like gathering around like a lot of ideas and yeah like the idea of creativity in this book like maybe was the catalyst for it but i think we we got into some really great things like i am probably gonna like walk outside with my shirt off today and that is a lesson about like self-compassion and all these other things that i didn't expect to get from that while i was sitting in my room and listening to the live. So I just, I wanted to take a second to just from, from me, thank everybody for every, everything that they taught. And then also appreciating that it seems like you kind of took similar things away from it, from what I can tell. Absolutely. I mean, again, I updated the tagline on the, or the, the bio on exploring creativity account last night, inspiring people to be their best creative selves. Or inspiring creative people to be their best selves is probably how I would yeah. raise it. So I'll update that after, but that's the goal. That's been the goal. I don't know if you were there right at the beginning of this live, but I was talking about where I, I don't know, the way that originated from. And 
that has been the real goal since day one. And it hasn't been about process only. It hasn't been about self-esteem only. It hasn't been about craft only. It's been about whatever it is that helps people get through things and help those individuals be their best creative selves as a way of reflecting on your own self while watching. And where am I? Oh, do I take my shirt off? Like we're circling around that one, but it's like, even that, even something like that is like, do I do that? Why not? And I think it opens questions. It opened a lot of questions up for me. It didn't necessarily like close a specific door per se, because it is an endless process, but it opened up many new doors or revealed doors that I just didn't know were there. And I think that is to me, the value of this whole thing. And that's exactly when I said initially the early mission statement of my life or purpose of my life was to unlock creative potential. It's a door metaphor, but it's really about revealing those doors that you can unlock. You know what I mean? And I think this series did that. Uh, and I'm forever grateful for that. I think, yeah, I'm excited to like release it in a podcast version. So like more people could like hear them and like sit through these things because they're just, they're really fascinating a conversation, not because I was a part of it genuinely, because I just, when I've listened back, I'm like, damn, we covered all this stuff. Like, wow, there's so much here. So I'm super grateful for everything from everyone and all of the like I said, all of those moments of reveal, like saying, oh yeah, I've been like taking my shirt off, like to get to that point where that would even be something you would say on a live being interviewed is important. So that's not what you're going to hear on a late night show or something like <laughs> the tonight show, unless it was like selling a shirt or something. Yeah, um, but like, it's not going to be on Tim Ferriss either as a light pack, but it should uh, be. Maybe he's like, yeah, the vitamin D absorbs it. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'm so grateful for this. Like I said in the beginning too, if this doesn't become anything, but this series, mm -hmm. us all communicating about it and like cutting clips and posting it to an Instagram account, like that's so fucking dope. There's such a, we have a wealth of information now from people we know, not even considering the world at large. And there's so many good pieces of gold. I've seen them. I've gone through a lot of these already, the transcripts. And I'm like, damn, there's so much that the world could benefit from hearing. And I'm excited to like, not have people sit through a two and a half hour interview to, to find those, but instead maybe a two minute thing or a 30 second thing, whatever the world mentally at to maybe hook them in and engage them to watch the whole thing. So it's been awesome. fun, man. Yeah. And that, I mean, that is, sounds like a really like perfect place to kind of wrap it up because i it, it feels silly to then go back into the minutiae of it after such a lovely wrap up but i do have one i have one question for you yeah it is a simple question with that requires a simple answer that is probably going to be difficult so you've been you know, on this creative journey, your whole life, you've been part of this exploring creativity journey for this chunk of your life. You are as qualified as any to kind of speak to the creative process. Imagine there is a, you know, 13 year old kid in your hometown who is just getting started being creative, opening their mind, maybe not doing it professionally. Maybe they are what kind of art it is. Doesn't matter. 
but from everything that you've learned, what's like one piece of advice that you'd give them the sort of Excalibur magic sword to carry with them on their journey? Be Gandalf to a little Frodo in Long Island. <laughs> oh my God. Learn to do the thing you love really well and love yourself the entire time while doing it. Learn how to do that at the same time. That's it. That's it. We out. Long Island, Frodo. Yeah. Thank you again. I'll talk to you after this. Sounds good. But, uh, this is fun. Yep. It's the end. Dude, thanks so much. And uh, we'll talk soon.